0: Welcome to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Stories that will help us live well while we're waiting to see our children in heaven one day. We pray that these stories will be an encouragement to you as you walk this road of grief. Thank you for joining me today on the second to the last day of the year 2020. And what a year it's been. Who would have thought back in January that we'd spend the majority of this year dealing with an ongoing worldwide pandemic that has brought so much physical, emotional, and financial pain to so many? Most people can't wait for this year to end, hoping that somehow turning the calendar will bring better days. But for many bereaved parents, bringing in a new year is something to be dreaded. For some, there may be a sense of relief that a painful year is coming to an end, but for most, the thought of facing their first, or yet another, whole year without a precious child can be incredibly difficult. I've never been much of a New Year's resolutions kind of person, but a few years back I put together a list of 10 resolutions for myself that I like to review each year about this time. Keep in mind that this is my list. Everyone's grief is different, so yours might be different, but maybe there's something on this list that will be helpful to you. Number one, I resolve to be patient with myself. Grief takes time, much more time than I ever realized before Hannah left for heaven. I will give myself all the time I need and not try to rush it, even though others may try to rush me along. I will be gentle and kind to myself and to the fellow grievers in my household. Number two. I resolve to extend grace to those who inadvertently add to my pain by making well-meaning but inappropriate comments, and I refuse to replay those hurtful words over and over in my mind, thinking about all the things I could have or should have said that would have put them in their place. I will remember that I, too, have said unintentionally hurtful things in my own clumsy attempts to comfort others. Number three. I resolve to extend grace to those who avoid me or who are clearly uncomfortable talking to me about my child. They're just afraid. They don't want to add to my pain, so it's easier just to steer clear of me. I will remember that I have been that person too. Number four, I resolve to help others understand what I need from them. I have a tendency to think that others can read my mind, but of course they can't. How can others possibly know what I'm thinking unless I tell them? If I need to talk about my child, I'll explain to them that it helps me to talk about her, even if it does make me cry. If I need to be alone for a while, I'll ask them to respect my solitude. If I just don't have the energy for chit-chat and smiles, I'll explain to them why. If I need to celebrate holidays in a different way, I'll discuss it with them ahead of time. And if I don't know what I need which happens a lot, I'll even tell them that. Number five, I resolve to find some joy in every day. There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances, and as we know, happiness can be pretty scarce sometimes. But joy is God-given, a gift of the Spirit, actually, and it's possible to still have joy even in the worst of circumstances. And it doesn't have to come from big things. It can be found in little things. Dew on a spider web. The sight of your favorite pet greeting you at your doorway. The sparkle of sunshine on the water. The feeling of pulling on a pair of new warm socks on a cold day. I resolve to look for and appreciate those things this year. Number six. I resolve to be grateful for the 17 and a half years I had with Hannah. I would absolutely rather have had her and lost her than to never have had her in my life at all. And when I consider the fact that I haven't really lost her, but in fact, I will spend eternity with her, the gratitude just overflows. Number seven, I resolve to look forward to the future and not spend time agonizing over the if-onlys. It's oh so tempting to do that, isn't it? These things are in the past, though, and they cannot be changed, and it is not a good use of my time and energy to be consumed by them. These thoughts draw me away from doing the things God wants me to be doing today, which is just what the enemy of my soul wants, and I believe that it dishonors both my child and my Lord when I remained stuck in the past and refused to move forward. After all, moving forward doesn't mean I'm leaving Hannah behind, because she is ahead of me. Number eight, I resolve to recognize and rebuff the attacks of Satan. He knows that I'm vulnerable as a grieving parent, and he would like nothing more than to destroy my witness and to tear my family apart. He wants me to believe his lies, that I'm somehow responsible for my child's death, that God is punishing me for some sin, that if only I had more faith or if I had prayed more, my child would still be here today. I refuse to allow Satan to have a foothold in my life. Number nine, I resolve to depend upon what I know to be true about God and not what my feelings are telling me. So much of the time, my feelings and emotions are completely out of control and unpredictable. I can laugh and cry and be angry and happy all at the same time. I could be fine one minute and sobbing the next. And I may not even know what triggered the meltdown. My feelings will lie to me, but God's Word always tells me the truth. To keep this resolution, I must spend time with Him and be intentional in prayer and Bible study. Number 10. I resolve to remember that I can do none of these things on my own. I have no power within myself to keep even one of these resolutions. It helps to talk to other moms and dads who understand what it's like to miss your child so desperately. And it's great to know that I'm not alone in this thing, that I'm not the only one who struggles with these issues. But even more than having the support of other bereaved parents, it is critical that I lean on my heavenly father for strength, because it is only in him that I can find the strength to keep these resolutions. Second Corinthians twelve nine through 11 says, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to close with a prayer written by Verdell Davis in her book, Let Me Grieve But Not Forever. Lord, we have come to you so many times in these last days, days that have stretched into months and years. We have brought to you such heavy hearts and blinding needs, and we have struggled with your sovereignty and your perfect will in our world of senseless tragedies, personal trauma, and shattered dreams. But Lord, when we have been tempted to seek easy answers to our questions and quick cures for our hurts, we have oft echoed the words of Peter, as you asked the disciples if they too would turn away when answers weren't easy and the cures were painful. Because Lord, where would we go? You alone have the words of life. In our brokenness, we have heard your words with new ears and seen your ways with new eyes. We have been opened to new depths of commitment and moved to new heights of praise. Lord, as you heal us, you again put our feet on high places and cause us to look beyond our now to your eternity. We feel the breath of fresh life and know most assuredly that you still have plans for us. And Father, as our faltering steps become more steady, never let us forget the things we learned in the valley. It was in the valley that we learned to walk by faith and not by sight. It was in the valley that we learned joy in the absence of happiness. It was in the valley that we learned the richness of our relationships. So now, Lord, we come to you with humbled hearts. We see clearly that even when we questioned your ways and doubted your love, you patiently gave us your grace and your peace. You have shown us your goodness and unmistakable ways, You have been the spring of living water in the desert of our despair. You have called forth the music hidden in the depths of our souls. Father, we bow before you in awe and wonder. We praise you for allowing us to taste of your greatness. We long for the day we will see you, Lord, in all your majesty and glory. But until that day, we will journey on in the light of your redeeming love. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.